Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation, where we find some of the coolest university technology so that you don't have to. We want to add to the volume of some of those innovations and hopefully help them become actual things. Thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi, Dr. Law Dog, and Entrepreneur Werewolf. Hello, Joe. Hey, Charlie. I threw you off there, didn't I? Usually, Fully hydrated. Usually I go to Tyler. First. I know. I thought I could get a drink. Hey, Tyler. How are you doing? Tyler is our PhD in science wizard. Hey, Charlie. He looks like deer caught in the headlights right now. Sorry. I am go, doing great. Go back great. to your nap. Oh, thank you. Um, I got to say, you're really projecting today. Oh, thanks. I can I'm, hear you I'm, all over the place. I'm speaking loudly. That's good to know. No. That's, that's good for a podcast. You're speaking with authority. Oh, it's l- loud and with authority. Yeah. If you don't Power. know what you're talking about, just talk loud. That's... <laughs> And done. Confident nod in a clipboard. That's a great message you get from the Innovation Overground. So please subscribe so you can hear Tyler drop those little pearls over and over and over. Please rate it about how great those pearls are. Please tell your friends. Please uh, promote us on all them social platforms. We want to be as loud and as authoritative as Tyler. Yes, please do help us spread the word so that we can help some of these technologies become actual things. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, a little bit of help. Um, we don't want to just promote stuff in the Nebraska or in our neighborhood, but everywhere. So, um, and also, if you do. Uh, think that we're missing something. If there's a technology out there you'd like us to address or a topic to hit on, uh, let us know. Uh, we have in our program notes uh, various ways to contact us or to prank Joe. The entire series shortages was given to us by a listener. Oh, really? Yeah. The original Helium was from cool. a listener. Yeah. Who's totally awesome, and thank you very much, uh-huh. listener, for doing that. Otherwise, what would we be talking about? I don't know. Usual crap. Like dog biscuits? I love dog biscuits. Or, I don't know, something lame like... Truth, truth. <laughs> Gotta say, there is a shortage of truth. I think I think we do need to go over it because <sighs> it's time to get meta. It's yeah, and, and it's 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 out there. It's not just uh, you know here. It seems to be a common issue now. I mean, it used to be um, human hubris is what destroyed truth, but we are literally making technology to destroy truth. Yeah, it seems to be harder to find or discern what's oh, true definitely you know yeah. and deep fakes and all sorts of yeah yeah i mean tyler you stopped by my office the other day you showed me an app that's out there um with the deep fake thing well that that was just i think i believe it was samsung samsung um ai i don't remember what the project is called but yeah they've they they can they essentially supposedly have a way to capture um to to, to recreate a person digitally but then not only that, so I mean, that, that's nothing new, right? You can just right. take a bunch of high-quality video or photos, whatever. Right. That's not the new part. The new part is they can actually uh, – th- they have AI behind that. So they can imbue that digital representation avatar with its own unique personality, and it will it evolve and adapt and learn. Yeah. He showed, uh, he showed me a video <laughs> of it doing its thing. It looked like people yeah. walking around doing things. Yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of frightening because, I mean, you could do anything with that. You could You can make your own truth with that. And then yeah. what do you do? So I think like even independent of intentional deceit, what like you're talking about, even with the wealth of information that's present, just three random coworkers can create their own podcast and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Speaking right. of being able to do anything. But like, I mean, so we're part of the symptom, right? Like, I mean, right. how do you, you, the listener, know what we're saying is true? Because we're not always right. We screw things up and yeah. try to own it. But we live in an age when there is more information present and yet faith in institutions that used to be authoritative seems to be at a low ebb and All so time low yeah. h- how, how does that go and then on top of that um you know i, re- I recently listened to an audiobook by uh, you've all know harari talking about 21 lessons Wait, for the can 21st you say that century. name again 
How do you spell it? Yaval Noah Harari, my favorite historian. Yeah, Tyler actually got me listening to him. It's uh, his last name is Harari, H A R A R I, and we will okay. include a link to his book on the Amazon so you can buy it. Because listen to us is authoritative. It's it's true <laughs> that it's good to read. Um, but one of the things that he very much talks about is in the 21st century of this moment where there's a combination of of disillusionment with authoritative figures, while simultaneously there are now in our social media feeds artificial intelligences where are curating the information we get, which can have an effect. Sometimes oh, yeah. that effect is just reinstating the things that you already believe, reinforcing them. Sometimes they can challenge whatever, right? That's the information that you're getting is now being curated to produce a particular effect. Usually that effect is to, you know, <laughs> make you more valuable to advertisers or whatever, right? So we're at a moment where the wealth of information almost obscures our ability to engage in truth, right? To understand yeah. truth. Yeah. Yeah. If you think you're looking for, you know, a valid source for information, you you have no idea I mean, for a lot of different things <clears throat> if you're at a valid source or not, if you're being... If you have a lied. prejudice or a bias or a preconceived notion, you can <clears throat> spend 30 seconds Googling it and think that you found something to completely 100% validate your idea and feel like you are right. And yeah, I imagine I, I, that reminds me of, I watched a, a documentary about flat earthers. Yeah. And it was kind of hilarious to watch them just only find the sources that further supported their theory. Yeah. I don't think you can call it a theory, their idea that the earth is indeed flat. And, and they would go out and use scientific method to try to prove that the earth was flat using scientific things like, like high, high dollar gyroscopes and lasers. And, yeah. and it would show that the earth is indeed a ball. And they would say, yeah, well, we did something wrong here. We got to, we got ah, to redo that experiment. Foiled again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, are you going to believe me or your own lying instruments? <laughs> exactly. So uh, what do you do in that kind of, I mean, is there anything out there that can help us understand our truths? So or normally what the truths are? we try to shine the light of university technology to, be a brighter and happier future. Yeah, right? rescue us. I got to tell yeah. you, I don't know what to make of some of the things I found. You oh, know? no. Yeah, because there- This the, is a sad episode? I'd say it's 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 like a marquee Netflix drama where you don't know what to think at the end. Oh, no. It's, Wait, it's the Black that? Mirror black of our mirror. podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've entered the Black Mirror uh, episode. What do you got, Paint Joe? it black, Joe. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to start with the, the title of this invention. It's Analyzing Text-Based Messages Sent Between Patients and Therapists. Wait, what? Yeah. Hold on. For who? Yeah, exactly. For, for profit. <laughs> so this oh comes God. out of uh, Queenberry University in the UK. And um, I, I'm kind of a patent nerd. What? I'm not, you guys you have to like nerd me, right? Nerd. Nerd. Yeah, nerd. patent nerd. Nerd. Okay, good. Thank you. And so I was, I was looking at the history and this came up on the search parameters as a university invention, but it was listed as owned by a company already. And I looked and this patent had already transferred ownership as recorded in the patent office like three times. What does that mean then? That means for that people nerds. want this, right? Like we got a lot of patents and they're really cool. It's like, you know, lasers to for telecommunication and new right, cancer yeah, drugs. Yeah. And they're hard to sell because, you know, they're complicated assets, a lot of value. To see something that's like been sold several times is always kind of interesting coming out of university. And it's analyzing text messages between patients and therapists, right? 
So this patent provides several different scenarios in which you can look and be able to early diagnose depression, right? You would essentially be able to do, uh, you know, look at the relative ratio of the different kinds of words in their emotional tenor to provide very precise diagnoses of patients, which I can see going either way, right? That would be really good if my therapist could have an external tool to say, have you considered this? It could also be yeah. kind of bad, though, because yeah. you could sell that same information to Google and, like, why am I getting all these Prozac ads? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I how suddenly have a package of me? Prozac on my doorstep. I Actually, know for I me, it'd be like, <laughs> how am I getting all these Cheesecake Factory ads? Why is Facebook <laughs> telling me to adopt factory. a puppy? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it doesn't constantly tell you to do that? No, not yet. Okay. Um, so, anyways. <laughs> I, I think that it's like emblematic though, right? Of like two things. One, these are the really valuable things right now. Like we, you know, Tyler and I, and, and, and you've kind of been indoctrinated now, Charlie, but we're technologists, right? We're like, oh, that is a really cool new way to do something, which is not really how people that make money always think. They think, no. wow, that's, I could make money doing that, right? So we can make so, money off of that. Yeah. Right. And so like, you know, we were sitting there saying, oh, we should pitch, you know, these really cool new technologies, but really they want to be analyzing text message between patients and therapists. Yeah. that's where the money is. If you read any of Yuval Noah Harari, even just like 10 minutes, it starts to get fairly depressing. I mean, it, he's brilliant, but... It has a very happy ending. Can I, what's a, okay. can I get a little yeah. background on what's his name? Harari? I've Yuval Noah Harari. I've never heard he's of an it. Israeli historian. Yeah. Okay. Historian yeah. specializing in... Well, you know, so he's... Really he's, big scale history. His, he wrote his first yeah. book that was yeah. a New York Times bestseller was uh, The History of Homo Sapiens. Yeah, it's just, just called Sapiens. That seems to cover a broad spectrum yeah. yeah okay and then his next book was a uh, homo deus which is a uh, the, the future of humanity it's kind of one of those singularity we, books yeah sort of as we merge with technology okay. and how technology is influencing us yeah but i mean his i mean his one of his main th- uh, contentions is that uh um as smartphones continue to become smarter and we continue to interact with them they'll, they'll continue to know more about us than we know about ourselves so i think that's already true don't uh, you think well at least it, social to, media to, to some limited yeah. extent yeah but i yeah. think like from a technology point of view, you know, it shows that university technologies that can bring hypothesis-driven, experientially uh, informed analytics to this type of data are going to be immensely valuable. And that is inherently neutral, right? As kind of creepy as it is the thought of texting my therapist and having an algorithm review it, I could also see some benefits to that, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, that could make my could therapist yep. therapier. Or, you know, it could create a data set that could be really easy to exploit me. Yeah, next thing you know, you get some really, really... Because I'm impossibly targeted exploit. advertising. You know, I'm, I'm so savvy and I'm so in touch with myself that I'm, I am an impregnable psychological fortress. But someone else might have trouble. Yeah, sure. We're we're, we're lucky he's not meditating right now, actually. I mean, he just (laughs) dropped out of Zen to do this podcast (laughs) with us. (laughs) I literally detranscended into the seat. (laughs) I don't have a technology, but I have an interesting story and a nonprofit that's working on this problem. So uh, I've come across, actually through an interview with Yuval Noah Harari, an individual called Tristan Harris, um, who used to be the design ethicist for, for Google. They, they literally had a design ethicist. Um, Google, mm. largely, as he tells it, because Google wasn't um, taking his recommendations, he quit. <laughs> so Google wasn't doing its not be evil thing. They weren't designing technology in a way that he thought was benefiting mankind. So no. he quit and started a non-pro- nonprofit. Humankind. Yeah. 
sorry, called the yeah. Center for Humane Technology. Um, and so, like, when he was at Google, he, so he just has to undo all the horrible stuff he did. He's trying that. to, uh, yes, exactly, yeah. I mean, one of the things he, he describes Google, and not just Google, but all, all the tech giants, as um, it, as as caught in a race to the bottom of the brainstem to extract <laughs> human attention. Oh my god! And it's a race we're all losing. So. Oh my god. <laughs> Google owns. Does anyone me. ever win a race to the bottom? I won the race to the bottom. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> so we're all, we're all caught through all of everything we interact with. The the, the current um, again the, the 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 current incentive alignment for for making a profit off of creating an app is to keep people engaged with that app. Right. Um, and so there's different ways. And he so he's. He he, he understood his his job was to understand the psychology of keeping humans engaged with apps. That was his job, and then he he, uh, he had to get he, him hooked. He was but, he was but, the corner dealer. First one's free. Yeah, but he what he was supposed to be doing then, uh, and what he was trying to do supposedly while he was at Google was was offer you know um um was was sort of wave the red flag when when people become a little too hooked and and try to convince the company to. To dial back the, on that a little bit, dial back on the crack content on this one. Yeah, let's let's turn down the the percentage of of crack. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's what's his what's his startup then? Uh, yeah, that's a great. It's the Center for Humane Technology, and it's actually it's a nonprofit. You but can, what does it you do? Can donate to it. Um, right now, what he's mostly honestly trying to do is he's trying to raise awareness, and he's 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 doing a lot of lobbying actually to try to get to try to address this at a policy level. I don't know if that's the best way to address it or not, but that's what at he's least doing. it's something. Yeah, he also he does have a team that's working on on creating maybe some alternative um, applications as well that we could we could use um, that wouldn't that that would uh, you know uh, and and some of the big companies to their credit have done things they've noticed kind of the the pushback here. Uh, if you have an iPhone, you can you can now there's there's an easy way to keep track of your usage of various apps on your iPhone, so you can be more um, aware. Um, mm. So there's there's things like that, uh, and that's what he's he's really trying to continue to 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 get more of this out there, so that there's so that the the technology works for us, and we're not working for the technology to an extent. Sounds like what we need then is a really good way to make a lot of money by not knowing everything about somebody. So I've got a way that may not make money, but knows more about all of us. So I wanted to find something that was a little less um, prestige drama, uh, maybe a bit more unambiguous good guy. And I found a really cool technology from uh, the, uh, the, the, the Research Foundation of the State of New York. And huh. what they do is it combines some truly eye-popping statistics to look at uh, the uh, sort of gerrymandered maps state by state. And so what they can assess is they integrate about 20 different statistical models. They simplify them across the actual maps, and they create what they consider to be a demographically true uh, voting district map within a state. And then they can compare the actual one that is designed by the political process. The goal is, Whoa. in this instance, to create a mathematically driven, based on demographic population, <clears throat> truth as to what the population should actually be using otherwise sane ways to draw boundaries. I got to tell you, those boundaries, I don't know what they're supposed to be. That's what I was going to ask. What, what's, like, know, what's an ideal objective what is boundary? A fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is a fair gerrymandered district supposed to look so like? So to speak in defense of gerrymandering, man, I'm saying all the words I've always wanted to say today. <laughs> the fairness of it is supposed to come through the political process, right? The idea is that you get two groups fight it out, mm -hmm. and you know, in the tension between the fighting between them, they'll figure it out. 
you know, as happens between adversarial systems, someone gets an inside track and sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's not fair. Now, maybe gerrymandered districts, if you run them over the span of decades are fair, but instant to instant, they could be kind of wacky in the yeah. way that they're actually driven. Yeah. And so the tool that they're simply offering here, which again, I don't really see it as a great business model, but uh, at least it's something that is true in a sense of relying on mathematical authority, something that's really hard to dispute. They can say, if we were just going to map our districts based on demographic trends, these are what the different individual congressional districts within this particular state would look like. Oh, okay. Here's what yours look like. And then they set it down and put their hands up and back away. Okay. So, I mean, but when, what is it? What is the... I don't know. What is the ideal scenario? Is it supposed to be a, a healthy mix of all different stripes of political persuasion? Is it supposed to be um, an outco- uh, uh, um, a conclave of a specific political persuasion? I mean, I, I guess just get back. It's, and then so each group gets their own little district. Like, how's, it what's be, it I, supposed to look I like? I mean, I think politics isn't supposed to be a part of the equation. I, I, mean, I mean, No, politics is the equation. But is there a way to do it um, purely apolitically? So there are some states to do that. But, is, state but of should Iowa you is my question. Well, but again, if the state decides as a political entity that they want to do it purely on demographic trends, that would be there. I think that a technology like the one out of New York, its utility is it gives a standard. Someone can make a decision. You could say, listen, here's your map that you guys have decided through your political process, which represents a democratic will, which is what it's supposed to be, right? Okay. Here it is if you just did it based on where people actually live, right? And here's how they're different. And they call it literally the perversity of the map relative okay. to demographic trends. So clearly they've the, got a point of view here, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if the demo- – like there's a Gallup statement, right, that you know uh, a good chef can sample the soup with a single spoon if they stir it well enough, right? And I think like that's kind of a very mathematical minded. Maybe that's not the method, right? Maybe you do want to have conclaves. Maybe you want to have wide geographic distribution. Maybe you want diversity, right? Who knows, right? I, I have no idea what that particular jurisdiction can decide. And that's why we have a political process. You can, however, inform them to say, whatever your political process is, this is what it is relative to purely demographic trends. And you can make that decision if this is really the system you want. Well, at least there's one way to get into the truth. Um... Anyway, it's it's we're running a little longer. I think on that note, I think it's time to come to ground. Please take a note to look in the program notes. We'll have links to the feature technologies, both the um, process for evaluating text messages between therapists Perhaps and patients, some depression coping mechanisms that we can suggest. Who knows when information will come from that, <laughs> as well as the New York technology to evaluate voting districts. Yes, we want to also thank our sponsors, Unimet, the Technology Transfer and uh, Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and KVNO Recording Studios at UNO. Uh, Thank you, and for Tyler Scher and Joe Runge, I'm Charlie Litton saying join us again on the Innovation Overground.